following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California and Fury. What a joy, what a pleasure, what an honor to be here with all of you today because I get the opportunity to talk to a guy that I, I started watching him on television in the year 2000. This is going back a little while now, but this is just a couple of years after I became a fan of professional wrestling. And I got to see him all through the years, through his time in some of the biggest companies that uh, has ever been in professional wrestling. And it's, it's just such an honor for me today to talk to the one and the only incomparable Shannon Moore. How are you, my friend? Hey, dude, what's going on? Um, man, I'm, man, life's good. It's good for me. I can't, I'm healthy. Um, and I'm, I'm in good shape. I'm still wrestling and, uh, and I can't complain. There's no complaints over here, man. Yeah, bro. That's great to hear. I, um, it was only kind of recently that I, um, uh, after I'd reached out to you, I was seeing what you've been up to the last few years. And I've seen that you, you've, you've been on a few cards lately and you're actually, you're, you're back in the ring, which is, uh, it's great to hear. Um, I know t- toward the, uh, I guess, what year was it, 2012-ish, uh, around then, you did leave uh, wrestling for a few years there, uh, and then you've started to get back into it since then. But uh, what was it that led to that, and, uh, you know, how does it feel to be able to get back out there? Yeah. <clears throat> well, i tell you what, man, I'm, you know, I'm going to shoot straight with you, like, because I don't, you know, it's nothing that I had. Um, you know, it, it wasn't two, t- 2012, like I was still doing some, you know, I was doing independence and stuff, but I've got my own businesses, um, that I've set up over the last years. Like I've, you know, I've had several tattoo shops that I've owned over the years and just a lot of little projects. Um, and you know, there's been times where I've got burnout on wrestling. Um, but probably about 2016, 2015, 2016, I actually, I uh, had a bout with uh, addiction and um, oh. that was something that I had to go take care of, um, you know, cause I'd taken two years off from everything. And while I was at home, like, you know, I, I had some pains and some, some neck issues at the time. And like, just, uh, you know, opiates got out of control. And before you know it, like I was shooting heroin and, um, you know, I'd become addicted to heroin for, you know, like a year. And, um, you know, I had to end up, uh, going to treatment for a couple months and I put myself through treatment. Well, I went through treatment WWE. They actually, uh, you know, their wellness policy, like, man, they supported me so much. They, you know, I would say they saved my life. Um, you know, their wellness policy did because they put me through treatment. And then while I was in treatment, um, you know, I was able to obviously get sober myself, but while I was in treatment, like I started helping other people in treatment. And, um, after treatment, I started working with other athletes, um, you know, whether it's football players or just as, you know, like a type of service work. And, uh, I just, you know, it become a passion of mine. So, you know, like at once I was able to, you know, like work through my own stuff, like the opportunity was there for me to work with other, you know, wrestlers or, 
other football players that or baseball, anybody, any professional um, that was struggling with addiction or alcoholism. And um, man, it's, it's just a passion of mine that, you know, now like going forward. So, you know, that's something that I balance with wrestling right now is like, uh, you know, I actually work in a treatment uh, facility now in Tampa um, whenever I'm not on the road wrestling, helping, you know, other athletes, other professionals, um, and just, you know, your everyday, you know, just workers, blue collar workers, um, you know, not only identify that they be addicted to something, but so come out on the other side and just show them as hope, man. Like there's, you know, there's hope on the other side. And like, this is a real disease that we battle in 2021. You know, I don't know about, you know, where you guys are, but I know in America, like addictions, like a, a major issue. Um, you know, like we talk about COVID and we talk about all this other stuff, but you don't hear much about people dying from an active addiction, um, you know, and drug overdose right now. And, you know, like our doctors and the pharmacies and the, you know, big pharma, you hear all the conspiracy stuff, but the reality of it is like this, this a pandemic here. And I think it's important that any kind of, you know, anybody with a voice now that has a platform should really like emphasize like how big this pandemic is with addiction and, you know, with drug overdoses and just overall deaths, deaths that come from, you know, addiction. Um, so, you know, I was grateful to be able to be supported by WWE and, you know, like taking care of my issues, but I'm even more grateful now to understand the process, understand what addiction is and be able to back um, to other athletes now. Wow, bro. I, I didn't mean to, to start things off on, on a heavy note like that. I wasn't aware that you'd been through that, but I'm so happy to hear that um, you, you you got through that and uh, with the help of the WWE and now you've, uh, you're able to use that experience to help other people. So that's really awesome to hear, bro. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Um, I, I guess I, I wanted to start kind of... Uh, here at this point where um where you're at now and then we go all the way back to the beginning uh you i'm sure you've had this question many times but when you were a young man uh, how did you become a wrestling fan uh it was just you know like um i'll never forget it like you know whenever i was a kid um you know i had these two like i guess we call them mugs um but you drink you know you drink your beverages out of them like they're like beer mugs, like mostly people drink beer because they're huge. Um, but I remember I ended up with two of those. I don't know how, whenever I was like four or five years old, and I had a Hulk Hogan one and an Ultimate Warrior one. And um, man, those mugs were just awesome because I had these little superheroes on there. And, um, you know, at the time, I, and that's whenever I started watching wrestling. And then once I started watching just the energy and the charisma that, you know, Hogan and Warrior and, you know, like Junkyard Dog, like he was one of my favorites, just his charisma. Um, once that, you know, I seen that, like it was pretty amazing. And like I was just stuck at that point and then just started following it ever since. <laughs> it's so, uh, the, the stories are always so similar. It's, it's just one sighting of it and then that's it. It's, everything's just about this now. Uh, it happened yeah. to me too. I was a little bit later on in, um, you know, I was about 12, 13 years old. Before that, it was all about basketball. That's all I cared about. Then it was wrestling, forget about basketball. Um, but yeah, that's really great to hear uh, those kinds of stories. Uh, 
So I guess, you know, growing up, eventually you, you meet two guys by the name of Matt and Jeff Hardy. Uh, uh, is this at this point, do you guys start doing a bit of backyard wrestling uh, together before it becomes Omega? Is that how that came about? Yeah, um, you know, Matt and Jeff, like whenever I met them, it was right around the time that, you know, like they had a train and um, they were, you know, like they were obviously wrestling fans and I was wrestling fans. So we just we become really good buddies. We started, you know, just hanging out a lot. And um, that was about the time that I guess um, that Matt had started converting like their trampoline into a wrestling ring. And uh, we just started, you know, like, I guess, doing what we saw on TV and recording it. And, um, you know, we had these characters. But at the time, like I was so much younger than everybody. Like, like, dude, I was like I was so tiny. I didn't weigh but probably like 90 pounds, uh, you know, because I was like eight nine years old at that point wow. and um yeah so like we would just kind of mimic what we seen on tv and um you know record it and you know it just it started from there it just evolved from there uh into you know well first we had nfwa um and then nfwa kind of rolled into omega once it, we rebranded it and you know like i guess we had a an investor jump in named um Thomas Simpson that really wanted to take a run with us and get the promotion up and going. Yeah. I, now you've, you mentioned that the memories are flooding back, I think from a, a Hardy's documentary from a few years back about um, how there was a trampoline and it was then converted into a ring. Um, so yes. Uh, Omega. I mean, this is, I have to say Omega is such a great name. Um, whoever came up with that, Props to them. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, okay, these are like the nice humble beginnings. Uh, what are your fondest memories of this time period with Omega? You know, you, you guys have this thing that you've kind of created together and uh, time's moving through um, the history of Omega. You know, to you, when you look back, just what's something that jumps out at you that's fond? I think the special thing that we had with Omega is like, you know, like we had so many styles of wrestling. And I think the only thing that I can compare it to that, you know, for somebody that hasn't never seen the footage, um, you know, from our Omega days is like, you know, we didn't, it wasn't a promotion. It was a culture. Um, I think we, you know, we had a culture there. Um, you know, we just had, we had some guys that everybody had their individual, individual personalities and, you know, and then once those personalities outside the ring went in the ring, like, just you know obviously hyped up a lot but i just feel like, like we were able to create a culture and you know like it was a real culture like it wasn't fake it wasn't like we just drove in and we did these shows and then we left it was like we rolled together man like we were you know like not a gang but a gang you know what i mean like we <laughs> we went everywhere together like you know we we did shows together we traveled you know hours and hours to do other shows together and like we had our click, man, and like our click was strong and we backed each other and we, you know, like we just went out and we we chased this thing together. And, um, you know, I, I think the only thing I feel like AEW is kind of doing that right now. Like, I think that's why they're so successful is because like they've not just created, you know, um, another pro wrestling company or a sports entertainment, entertainment company. I feel like, you know, AEW, they've created a new culture in pro wrestling. And I think that's what it takes to really get fans attention and get 
people to believe in the product is they want to be part of that culture, um, just not a company, you know? So I, I think on a smaller scale, like obviously a lot smaller scale, Omega was a culture. Absolutely. And yeah, I totally get what you mean with AEW. It's kind of like uh, what they're doing feels like, oh, this is what we were kind of missing for quite some time. Uh, so I, I can see that happening right now uh, before our eyes. Um, okay. Uh, another question I had for you was we had a previous guest. I, I think it was Lodi or it might've been Lenny Lane. It was either one of them, but they told me a story about um, you, you, you guys all were in a group together. You, you worked on a show. I think you were still like 16 years old at the time and you, you stayed up all night and you needed to be dropped off to get to school because if you missed another day of school, you were either going to get suspended or expelled or something like that. Can you enlighten me on that? Yeah, actually, I, I remember that, man. Like, um, you know, like, and that's what, like, Lodi, like, man, Lodi, he's, wow, what a great guy. Like, I love Lodi. Um, and me being so young at the time, too, like, you know, something I have to say is, like, you know, I, I really, I didn't have a father figure at that point because my dad, like, he was in a car accident. He was paraplegic and kind of just bedridden he couldn't walk talk like he he you know so I kind of lost my dad at an early age and like the thing that is like I feel like I was raised by pro wrestlers um and it, you know, there's a lot of good to that and there's a lot of bad to that but like you know I had all these older guys that were just father figures to me and they would do stuff like that man like these and that you know, like, I love these guys to death. And like, you know, today, like, you know, I'd do anything for them that I could possibly do. But, you know, Lodi was, he was in a situation, man, where we were traveling, I believe it was Silva, uh, North Carolina to do, it was like five hours away from where I lived. And, um, you know, we'd go do the show, you know, a couple of times a month. And um, you get, realize like the show's running late. And, uh, you know, there was a couple of issues that, but uh, man and it was just getting late and I was like I'd missed like 75 days of my high school already and because uh, I knew I was going to be a pro wrestler I'm like this is what I'm going to do and my high school they kind of backed me on it because like I was already on tv and they would watch me on tv so the principal was like okay we'll be you know but it got to the point where I was like a day 75 that I'd already missed and they're like look dude like this you know we're not going to be able to you know like you might have to just quit school I'm like, no, no, I don't, I want to make sure that I, you know, at least graduate. Like I want a high school diploma. I just don't want to quit. And, um, but it, that night, man, like Lodi's like, no, we're going to get you back. We're going to get you back. And, uh, like, dude, he drove all night. Like he's trying to get me to sleep like just trying to, and like we did, he, he drove me back so I could just roll right into school pretty much. Like just, you know, from being up all night, like just wrestling. Um, but yeah, man, Lodi, he was one of the guys that would always step in, save the day. Like whenever, you know, be, me being the younger kid and like, you know, they were all for it. Like, now nah, you need your education too. So like, we got to make sure that we, we get you back. But yeah, Lodi, man, he's, what a good guy. Like he's, I love him to death, man. He, he'll always be family. Oh, that's great, bro. Yeah. I thought I should bring that one up and uh, give a shout yeah. out to Lodi. He's a tremendous human being. Um, okay. Uh, so <clears throat> when I think of the Omega boys, I, I, I think of these names and, I'm going to kind of do like a, I guess, almost like a word association with you. But if you just have like a thought about uh, each member of this group I'm going to bring up, uh, please sh share your feelings. Uh, first of all, let, let's start with uh, Jeff Hardy. 
Jeff's my best friend. Like he's um he's that guy that's been in my life as a friend forever. And um, you know, like through both of our, you know, like obviously it's no I guess secret that Jeff's had issues too. And like I've had issues and you know, like on both sides of that, like just support, you know, we're just there for each other, man. Like outside of the business, outside of, you know, like all the other stuff and the wrestling stuff, like he's, he's the brother, you know, he's just, he's my brother. Um, and most people would think that, that didn't know that Matt and Jeff were brothers. Like they thought that me and Jeff were brothers because we were, you know, like, especially up until, you know, like Jeff had his family, you know, we were inseparable. Like we were always together and like, we just, we had so many interests and, but yeah, man, he's my best friend. Like, I, I, you know, I'd do anything for him. Like, can awesome bro and, and let's head over to his brother matt yeah matt he's uh you know i consider him family man like he's you know matt he's totally opposite of jeff like if you see and a lot of people always assume that like matt and shane you know which they were they were they're more similar like me and jeff like we had more i guess stuff that was um in common and we were into the same things, you know, whenever it comes to sports and motocross and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. And then like, you know, like Matt, like, you know, he, he's a best friend of mine too. Like I love Matt to death, but we, we have a lot of different interests. I feel like, um, so that's why him and Shane connected more as uh, I don't know that me and Jeff connected on, but yeah, Matt's definitely family. Awesome, Brian. We'll, we'll get to Shane Helms next. Yeah, Shane, man, Shane's my, you know, like he's my, he's my, uh, my road dog. Me and Shane, we've traveled, you know, just miles and miles together. Um, you know, I met Shane several years after I'd met, you know, like obviously me and Matt and Jeff, like we grew up together. And then whenever we met Shane, you know, like I'd heard of Shane cause he was a, you know, he was a cruiserweight on the cruiserweight in North Carolina. And, you know, like he'll say the same, like we always said, so like most, you know, whenever we met, it was like, it wasn't a competition or nothing. It was just like, oh damn, this dude's cool, man. Like, you know, we're cruiserweights, like Shane's, you know, he's, he was a really good cruiserweight. And then from there, like, you know, we got the journey into some pretty amazing things. And then we ended up in WCW together. Um, and, you know, music before that music city wrestling. And, you know, um, I think Shane, we've, we've probably come close to death together more than anybody <laughs> whenever it comes to traveling together um, between the car wrecks and the, you know, like I tweeted something the other day, uh, like we were in like this club shooting one time where Shane pulled up to this club. We were going to go to the club. And as soon as we pull up to the front door, like the place just explodes with people. And then like this dude comes out just trying to shoot at people. And like, I'm like, Shane, the dude's got a gun. Like, what are you doing? Back out. Let's go. And Shane's just kind of sitting there watching and um, we ended up, you know, leaving obviously, but like, yeah, we've, uh, we've had some really good times on the road together. So he's, he's family, man. <laughs> That's some crazy stuff there, bro. Yeah. Uh, the next thing I wanted to bring up was Christian York. Christian York, um, you know, another guy, like, you know, I, I consider family. Um, met Christian, you know, like obviously later than, me and Matt and Shane, like we'd been doing stuff, but Christian, you know, he just fit right in our crew. 
um, you know, just a funny guy, like, you know, talented guy. And, um, you know, whenever we were doing the Bad Street Boys thing and Music City Wrestling, um, we, I really got to know Christian at that point, uh, just traveling with him, you know, week in and week out. But super talented guy and, you know, like, I guess the whole Mega Cruz family, but he's another one that's just I'd have to consider family. Of course, bro, and uh, I'm sure there's going to be more repeatings of uh, of uh, yeah. you know compliments here for the one and only Joey Matthews. Yeah, Joey Matthews, man, he's um, um, he's one of those guys that he was, you know, we were really young hitting the scene in wrestling, you know, and um, we, you know, we both, I, you know, I could say Joey would probably say too, pretty much being raised in professional wrestling by professional wrestlers. You know, like um, he's one of the guys that was with me from, you know, like that standpoint of just being so young that I think everybody would help take care of us. You know, like we've been in you know situations to where, you know, like people go, hey, you guys shouldn't be, you know, here. And I remember, you know, one situation, like, I'm, you know, obviously I don't want to include Joy in it, so I'm not going to tell the story. But I do remember a particular situation where, you know, like it wasn't a good scene, you know, anybody our age to be in and it could have went south, you know, pretty fast. And our elders, you know, they pretty much got us out of there and, you know, got us away from, you know, what was going on just because like, and which was real cool. Cause like, man, to have, you know, like everybody just thinks that, you know, pro wrestlers are savages and like these outcasts, you know, crazy people, you know, like, man, I wouldn't change it, man. The, the elders or, you know, like the guys that were older than us, like, man, they really t- would take care of me. And I, I know Joey was in that situation, but he's, you know, Joey's my brother. I mean, for him, I can. Awesome, bro. Yeah, I just thought it would be, it was important to kind of run through your feelings on each uh, member that I, that I, uh, I've, have mentioned just then uh and if i ever have any of the other guys on the show i will be doing the exact same with them yeah um um, okay i wanted to get to a little bit of wcw um and because i i from my research uh very topical for this week as well uh the one and only chris canyon uh was i guess they given him some power to sign a bunch of cruiserweights uh in 1999 um so how did it come about that that uh, Chris Canyon, uh, I guess, discovered you and uh, and Shane and, and got you guys into WCW? Yeah, so, um, you know, me and Shane, we were doing the Bad Street Boys thing in uh, Music City Wrestling. We'd been there on that. And, like, it was at that point where we felt like, you know, like I felt like, like, you know, I can only speak from the way I was feeling at the time. I don't want to speak for Shane, but at the time, like I was feeling like I was ready for more. Like I wanted, you know, I was ready for, you know, the next, next journey for me in pro wrestling. And uh, Matt and Jeff, they had, um, you know, did extra work with Chris Canyon whenever he would come up to WWE before he was uh, in WCW. And, um, you know, I was talking to Matt and I was like, Hey man, like who would be a good contact for me to contact somebody about going down to the power plant and doing stuff there. And, um, like, man, you know, Chris Canyon's like really cool. And like, he's down there, he's doing good down there. And like, he would be willing to talk to you, I'm sure. So I ended up reaching out to Chris Canyon 
And, um, you know, our first conversation didn't go well because they, it was pretty much, I was like, Hey, Chris, you know, I'm Shannon. I'm a friend of Matt and Jeff's. Um, you know, they said that you'd probably be willing to talk to me. And he's like, Hey dude, what's up? So he started talking. I was like, you know, I'm interested in coming to the power plant. Um, you know, like, are you familiar with my work? Can I send you a tape? And he's like, yes, send me, but I've seen you, you know, I've seen your stuff already. Like, you know, some of the stuff you're doing, um, music city wrestling. So he was familiar with me. And, um, at that point he, you know, like, I guess he, what was it? Oh, he told me that the power plant was full and he's like, you know, the power plant's full and I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't think that you'll be able to come down here right now. I was like, all right, well, just, you know, like, keep me in mind, like, you know, if anything pops up. Well, like, literally the next day, I get a phone call from Chris Canyon. Like, this is a timing thing. And, like, he's super excited. Um, he's like, bro, you're not going to, you know, this is amazing. He's like, Eric Bischoff just gave me the power to hire 21 cruiserweights. And I guess, you know, like, Eric had this idea. I'm pretty sure, like, from what I remember, and, you know, like, I've never – got to talk to Eric, you know, cause it kind of fell apart, but, um, about what the idea was, but I'm pretty sure it was something like tough enough versus, you know, like a tough enough slash real world type, um, show that they were going to do with these 21 cruiserweights and Canyon's like, dude, like, and you're the first one, like, I, you know, how are you? And I was like, what? And like, I thought it was a rib. I thought he was joking. Cause I'm like, who just called somebody? You just told me, you know, there was nothing for me. And then the next day you're calling me going like, okay, I'm going to hire you. Like, here's your deal. Sex amount of dollars, like boom, contracts in the mail. Give me your address. And like, I got off the phone at that point and I was shocked. I was like, what, what just happened? Did I just get hired? Like, is that how this thing works? And uh, like, it was legit, man. Like, you know, he did, he, you know, my, it was in the mail and, you know, like I got hired, you know, like pretty much on the spot there. And like, they hadn't even seen me, you know, wrestle live yet. And, um, so later on, like, you know, they call or Canyon calls me and he's like, Hey bro, like, you know, who, who wrestle, you know, if, um, if we bring you, you know, to one of the shows and we want to, you know, we want to see you wrestle live now. And I'm like, damn, my con, you know, I've already signed my contract late. Now you want to <laughs> see me wrestle live. Okay. I better not screw this up. But, um, you know, immediately I was like, oh, Ray Mysterio, like, obviously, dude, like <laughs> Billy Kidman. And he's like, no, no, Shannon, like you have to, not somebody that's on top of the card. Like who, who else would you want to wrestle? He's like, could you bring, you know, would you want to bring somebody? And, um, you know, like, obviously like Shane Helms, like we'd ripped it up, man. Like we could kill it together. And, um, you know, we rolled down and, um, you know, we did the match and, um, uh, you know, immediately, you know, Shane, he's so good. Like they, you know, he, they wanted to sign him too. And uh Canyon, you know, was like, Hey dude, like here's your contract. So like, that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell, just how it happened. Oh, that's so cool, man. You got your boys, man, Jeff over in the WWF and now you and Shane are in WCW. Uh, and, and, yeah. and funnily enough, uh, <laughs> um, Joey and Christian end up going to ECW, which is, uh, you know, funny uh, all at one time you, you six yeah. were in uh in the uh, the big leagues. Uh so okay, uh that's a great story. Really really love that. The fact that it ended up helping Shane uh get hired as well. Uh when you first find out that three count is going to be uh, a unit, I'd like to know your first impressions of one Evan Courageous when you first met him. 
of Evan Courageous. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, Evan, man, he's another one. He's, you know, now like I consider him, he's my brother, man. Like, you know, we talk on a pretty much a every other day basis still. Um, but Evan was, you know, like he was awesome, man. Like he was in WCW and like, he was just doing his thing, just, you know, trying to survive, you know, at that point, mm-hmm. like just trying to, um, I guess, keep moving up on the card, keep getting better. And, um, you know, Jimmy Hart approached him about the three count idea. I, I think before we got there and like Evan was open, you know, open to doing it. And, um, like me and Evan, we always got along really well. Um, we had a lot of similarities, you know, a lot of things in common. Um, and you know, like whenever we were on the road, man, like we'd always go out and hang out together and, you know, just enjoy the towns and stuff that we were in. But yeah, Evan was awesome from day one, man. Like he, uh, you know, he kind of, he showed me what he could show me in WCW, like just to, you know, cause I was young, man. I was like 18, maybe, uh, just turning 19. Like, um, so like I was this young kid in WCW and, uh, you know, Evan was a little bit older than me. So like, you know, he was one of the guys that just kind of, I guess, just showed me, you know, what's up, man. Like how you survive on, you know, in the big leagues and what the big leagues are all about. And, um, you know, just how, you know, the politics can affect you and all that good stuff. So it was very insightful. Oh, that's cool. Um, so what did you think when you found out about this idea that Jimmy Hart had? I mean, I, I know you're a punk rocker, um, but, you know, this is a this is a boy band thing. I'm not sure if Shane was a boy band kind of guy, but Evan looks like back then he looked like he may have really kind of liked that kind of thing. So uh, what were your thoughts on the idea? Yeah, so the, um, you know, the, when it first got pitched, like, in my head, like, like you said, man, like, I'm a punk rocker and a rock and roller, so, like, the boy band thing was kind of like, what? Like, I, you know, I don't see myself as a, as a boy band type thing, because even back then, you know, like, at 18, like, I had this vision of what I wanted to look like and who I was, like, I just wanted to be covering tattoos and, like, just, you know, be this hard-looking dude. And, uh, but I was totally opposite. I was long blonde hair and, you know, like hardly any tattoos. And it was just this young kid, like pretty boy. And, um, so the idea at first was like, ah, but at the same time, like, you know, I'm going, man, I'll, you know, like I can just, I'll crush it, whatever they give me, I'm going to take it. We'll run with it and we'll make the best of it. Like, that's what we tried to do. And it actually, you know, it turned into something pretty great. Like, you know, I'd even go as far to say like three count at one point, it's probably the biggest hills in the company because the people freaking hated us um, to the point where they're throwing everything they could in the ring at us. <laughs> it's so true. Cause you know, if you were kind of into different kind of music or whatever, like, you know, wrestling, you know, you probably wouldn't like boy bands. You'd be more into like rock music or something like that. So you probably want to, you know, see, boy bands get beat up so this is the perfect storm to be a heel yeah. uh and it's at least in the year 2000 anyway uh yeah uh, well, so, coming uh out the, you know come coming out of the attitude era too you know what i mean yeah and you're coming out of that so it's like you know you have really cool hard characters like steve austin and you know the nwo and stuff but then all of a sudden there's this you know little puny like boy band this <laughs> coming in and it's like it was just it was good the timing was perfect for it yeah, I certainly love the uh, the dynamic between uh, you three uh, across the ring from Brian Nobbs. I, I found that to be uh, yeah. <laughs> some great stuff. Uh, so January 4, 2000, uh, you debut 
in the ring at least on Thunder in Florence, uh, South Carolina, defeating PG-13 and Chavo Guerrero. Um, so that's just from my research, the first match that the, the group had. Um, and this starts off this big run. Um, as t- time's wearing on, obviously this is a great kind of gimmick because it's, it's giving you purpose and, and it's keeping you on TV throughout this kind of, is almost a strange time period for WCW because Vince Russo had just gone home and uh, Kevin Sullivan takes over the book. And then three months later, uh, Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff uh, are, are in charge again. So uh, from, from your perspective, how did that kind of feel uh, with the environment changing uh, three different times in the space of three and a half months? Yeah. Well, I was so young into the big company at that point. Like, I, I really didn't understand what was going on behind the scenes. Like, honestly, I was so focused on just going out there and busting my ass and just killing it. Um, you know, because I, uh, that's that's what I knew how to do. Like, I, I wasn't entangled in any kind of politics or anything like that at that point. So I really, you know, that stuff didn't affect me, man. Like, I, you know, stuff I couldn't control. Um you know, Eric Bischoff, like he's the one who hired me and man, Eric's always treated me great. Like I have nothing but respect for Eric. Like, I think he's a brilliant man whenever it comes to, you know, whenever it comes to sports entertainment or pro wrestling. Um, and outside of that, man, like he's just a very knowledgeable person. Like, you know, if you sit down and have a conversation with him, you're like, man, this, this dude's smart. Um, and you know, like at the time, like, uh, you know, I, I was being taken care of. So like all this other stuff that was happening, like, you know, it, it really didn't affect me and I wasn't intertwined with it. So I really, you know, like I can't even speak about it because like I wasn't part of it. Um, because to me, like I come into that, I signed at WCW when this stuff was going on. So it was like, it was just kind of normal to me, you know, like, um, you know, you'd hear rumblings about stuff going to happen, but you know, until, until it happened, like, just out, you know, they were coming to us going, look, you know, the Hardys, they're having a ladder match, you know, with the Dudley, you know, Edge and Christian. It's like, we need to compete with that. Like, what can you guys do to compete with that? It's like, okay, like, wow, you're not putting the pressure on us at all. Um, <laughs> but we would, we had, you know, like, we've had some really good ladder matches that, you know, are right up there or even better than some of the ladder matches that WWE was producing at the time. Um, you know, we did some really good creative stuff to separate ourselves from the ladder matches that WWE was having at the time. Um, so I think they had faith that we could go out there and get the job done. And, you know, like they took care of us the best that they could at that point where the company was at. Cool, bro. Um, Tank Abbott, this is an interesting addition to the to the squad. Uh, how did you find working with him? Uh, I, you know, I, I kind of find it cool that he doesn't take himself so seriously that he would say no to doing something like this, becoming... Three counts, number one fan. What did you think of this angle? Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, you know, like Tank's a legit, you know, badass. And, um, you know, whenever they put him in our group, like I, sometimes I just wondered if like he thought the gig was completely real because like he was our security. Like there was times where he would want to fight people that mess with us like outside of the locker room and like would be at a restaurant or, you know, somewhere and like, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't mess with three count because take out it would kill you um but yeah now take was awesome he was super cool to work with um you know you talk about a guy that you know whenever you talk about people that don't want to do certain gimmicks or 
you know, and you get people to go, oh, that's not my character. I wouldn't do that. Um, I you know, it just speaks highly of Tank's character for him to, you know, for them to go like, hey, we're thinking about putting you with this boy band. And he was, you know, like most people would have bitched and moaned, like, no, my character, you know, like I'm I'm a legit tough guy. Like you wouldn't put me with a boy band. Like, but Tank was like, he owned it, man. Like he took it, he owned it. And like then sometimes it was like, all right, take like, you know, this ain't real. Like you don't have to beat people up for us. Like, but he did, man. Like he was he was pretty awesome. Um, I love Tank, man. Uh, that's cool, bro. Yeah, no, it, 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 he sold it really well. He, it looked like he yeah. really did enjoy everything that was going on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> time wears on with WCW. I hate to skim through WCW uh, because this is a, a, an important part of your career. But um, I, I, I wanted to ask a little bit about when you first hear, you know, rumblings that uh, WCW might be getting bought by the WWF and how excited or concerned were you by this news? Yeah, well, I didn't know, like I said, like I wasn't, you know, like I, I wasn't, I guess, uh, in on all the gossip and stuff that was going on. So, like, I had no clue what was going on as far as WWE and WCW um, working some kind of deal for WCW to be bought. Um, you know, all I remember is walking in, you know, that day and there being signs on the wall that said WWE this way and WCW this way. And at that point, like, you know, even then I thought like, okay, who's, you know, like who's, who's playing some kind of prank or, you know, who's trying to rib everybody. Um, and then, you know, now we had a meeting that day and, you know, there they are, man, the WWE crew walks out and it's real. Don't get in the real yeah, bro. That's, <laughs> that's intense, but, uh, and it's the final yeah. nitro, right? So, I mean, this is, what a whirlwind of a day to, to rock up expecting just the regular day at the office. And the next thing, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be the final edition of Monday Nitro. Um, take me through the day, I guess, uh, you know, it, this is, you know, an overwhelming day for a lot of people backstage, a lot of sad people, obviously as well. Um, what did you do during the show? After the show, did you go out and celebrate? solemnly with some of the guys and 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 kind of uh, gossip about what might be coming next yeah i mean you know like we went out there i was on the last show um you know um i think uh i was in a, a tag match i believe um and i think uh, i actually wrestled mysterio um he was part of that match um if i recall right i don't know like and i've had so many matches since then but i, I believe that was uh uh, the match, um, you know, I just remember that night going out, um, you know, and there was a little sadness there, but like, I just felt like, and dad told us like, you know, um, you know, if you're a hard worker, like, obviously we're going to pick your contracts up. So I was a little nervous. I was scared because, you know, like, I, I guess the thing that was the worst was just being a little sad, not knowing if some of the guys that I got close to, like if their contract would roll over or not, or if I wouldn't see them anymore, um, because we become, you know, you become tight, man, like your brothers. And, um, you know, that was sad, but I, you know, I went out that night, we enjoyed it. I just remember being on the plane the next day, like that was whenever it really hit me, like, you know, I, the land of the unknown, you know, like what happens from here. Um, 
And then, you know, from there, I just got home and it was just kind of waiting to hear the next word. Right. Yeah. No intense stuff. And just for everyone out there, the, I should have written it down my notes. It was uh, Ray Jr. and Billy Kidman defeating Evan and Shannon and the Young yeah. Dragons in a three-way for the uh, Cruiserweight Tag Team Championship, which unfortunately didn't get to be around too long because of all of this stuff taking place. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so how did you f- first find out that um, your contract was going to get picked up? Um, I got the phone call from Johnny, um, from Johnny Ace. He let me know, he's like, Hey, you know, we're going to roll your contract over. Um, you know, you're going to have a meeting with JR and, um, you'll be flying. I think it was Atlanta where I was going to fly down from North Carolina and meet with JR. Um, and then, you know, like, uh, they booked that meeting and I actually missed my flight for my first meeting with JR, <laughs> and, uh, which is probably not a good look. Like, I just, I remember going, oh, fuck, fuck. There's no way they're going to pick me up now because, like, something happened. I don't know. I was running late or something. Ended up missing my flight. And then I had to, I guess, reschedule a flight. And I got there, like, you know, four hours late. And then, um, you know, I had to go in and meet with good old JR. <laughs> Right, that's cool. Um, okay, so the Heartland Wrestling Experience, uh, HWA, you spent some time there. Uh, I know uh, Evan is also there. Shane gets to go up onto TV because he was the Cruiserweight champion. So lucky for some. I know uh, when we had uh, Alan Funk on the show, he talked about how, geez, he was just starting to get on WCW pay-per-views. And now after all that time being in developmental in WCW, he's finally there and then he's back in developmental uh the wwe um how did you feel about your time there and uh you know th- there was a time obviously where a lot of wcw talent got released um which we'll, we'll get to but um you know how did you feel about all this yeah it was you know like i was fortunate man I, you know like well i sit at home for you know a couple of months actually and um like how I ended up in HWA was, you know, I actually, um, I'll never forget. I think it was going to be a tour in Europe that was going to be a few weeks long. And they had, I guess, Jasmine St. Clair and Blue Meanie was on it. And um, somebody contacted me about doing that tour with them. And um, I forget who the promoter was that was doing it, but it was an overseas tour. So I called JR. And I'm like, hey, you know, like I haven't been in the ring in a couple of months. Like, would you mind if I go? on tour you know for a few weeks in the uk um just so i can you know just stay active in the ring and just be ready for whatever it is that you guys are gonna you know do with me and um he's like yeah let me check on it so then jr called me back and he's like well actually you know we don't want you to go on that tour because hwa is going on in cincinnati and some of the guys from memphis and um i guess they closed memphis down around that time and um those guys ended up in hwa and they're like you know we'd rather for you go there and work with these guys you know for a few weeks and um i'm like all right that's cool you know which was exciting so i packed up my car and i you know i was like okay at the time like i was engaged and i you know like i owned a home in north carolina and everything i told my my uh fiance i'm like all right i'm heading to you know cincinnati i'll be gone a few weeks and i was there for happened um before they you know before they ended up i guess uh putting me on tv um which was cool it was one of the greatest years of my life and it's probably 
the biggest year of my wrestling career as far as learning. Um, I learned so much there. Like, you know, Les Thatcher was there, but, you know, like we, we wrestled so much. Like, you know, we had training every day, you know, for four hours and then, you know, like probably four or five shows a week. Um, so, like, we, we were just still crushing it, man, like just show after show after show. And I feel like, you know, that tape library that, um, you know, uh, I don't know if Les Thatcher has it or who has the HWA tape library, but I hope one day maybe WWE will acquire that and use that for the network or somebody will acquire it and use it for the network. Cause like, man, the cruiserweight division and HWA, like, you know, me, Jamie Noble, uh, BJ Whitmer was part of it. Um, Chad Collier. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Chad, but like there was a lot of really good cruiserweights there, man. And like, we were ripping it up. Like we had so many good like cruiserweight feuds over that year um, that were just ongoing and it kept us all intertwined. Like me and Jamie, like me and Jamie probably had some of the best matches we've ever had there that probably will never get seen on TV. Um, and same with Chad and BJ Whitmer. Um, like we just, you know, we, uh, it was such a killer crew that we had there. Um, you know, Amaga was there. Um, Charlie Haas was there. Um, there's just a lot of people there that were very talented and like that footage you know, is priceless. And just hopefully one day somebody will be able to shed light on that. Yeah, no, that would be cool, bro. I, I know that there was a, it was quite a, a stacked roster at the time there. Um, so uh, moving forward to uh, July 2002, this is pretty obviously special. Uh, becoming a Mattitude follower, uh, brought up to TV to, to side with uh, uh, Matt Hardy version one. Um, this is just incredible because it also leads to you being, to, being able to be out there uh, at WrestleMania. Uh, which who would have thought, you know, you, you, you and Matt and Jeff, a little, you know, teenagers or you're still a kid when you met and started doing all that. And now you're at WrestleMania all these years later. Uh, <laughs> so please just tell me about bring brought up to TV and, and uh, just the run that you got to have with Matt. Yeah. So, you know, when I first got to TV, well, I went on house show loops first and uh, like just something that, you know, I bring up a lot, like me and Jamie, like we were, you know, our style together whenever we were so especially in HWA is very, you know, like I'm not going to compare myself to Benoit or Guerrero because like those, those guys are just simply um, untouchable whenever it comes to their work. Um, but like our, our style, whenever we wrestled, like it was, there was very similarities to the style of matches that Eddie and um, Chris would have. So whenever we first hit the road, like, um, you know, Benoit, like he was, man, he was our biggest cheerleader. Like he, he had his head through the curtain in every match, like telling us, you know, like tightening our stuff up and like, you know, and it got to the point though, where, you know, Ben, Benoit was so intense, man. Like he, me and Jamie, after about, you know, working on several loops together, you know, we come to the back and I'm like, dude, like, I, like we're killing each other. At the, like, my teeth were all loose. Like I had a broke nose, like Jamie's nose was broke. Like it just, we were so beat up because, you know, like Chris is like, come on, you got to lay it in. We want, you know, like it's a fight. Like you have to fight. And, um, <laughs> you know, like he kept pushing us and it's like, man, this has been wild. Like we got to impress Benoit. And, um, you know, like we, we eventually was like, man, like we, you know, we got to, we can kill each other. We got a long road ahead of us. Like we, gotta, we can't do this every night. Um, 
but yeah, man, from there, like ending up with Matt as his Mattitude follower, like it was a, you know, it was just a, a little silliness and some fun TV um, that people really, they, um, they attached to and they enjoyed watching it. Um, you know, people still like, you know, if they haven't never seen the Mattitude follower stuff, the little silly pranks that we would do the horn swallow or just some of the stuff that we would do um, throughout that little era of, you know, being the Mattitude follower. And then whenever crash come aboard, like he was the, my MF or, um, or not my MF or he was my moron. And um, <laughs> yeah. it was, you know, I was the Mattitude follower and he was the moron. He was my follower. Um, so it was, it was just a funny little kind of Tom and Jerry type cartoony, um, you know, deal that we were doing and like, we had fun with it, man. And just being part of WrestleMania with Matt, like that special, um, you know, we got to go out and, um, you know, biggest show, one of the biggest shows on the planet, man. Like there we are, like you said, to uh, small town that were best friends. And, you know, you look around and it's like, man, I think we did pretty good for ourselves. We made it, you know? Um, so that was, you know, it's a very special moment. Absolutely. It really is. I, I needed to bring that up because, you know, who would have thought, <laughs> who would have thought that, that yeah. would happen? <clears throat> um, so uh, again, don't want to skim too much, but I, again, I don't want to take up too much of your time, um, but I felt that this was important to bring up. Um, after you, you, you leave WWE the first time, uh, you go to TNA, December 2005, uh, as the Prince of Punk, uh, feuding with AJ Styles kind of out of the gate, which is, you know, he'd been kind of like built up as, uh, you know, their, their guy almost, uh, working with him at that time. Please uh, tell me how you felt uh, being in TNA at this point in time. Yeah, it was great. You know, like I've been talking to Jarrett, um, you know, Jeff Jarrett, like he was a, a mentor of mine and he, you know, in WCW, he, He's one of the guys that took me under his wing, kind of showed me the ropes of how WCW works. Um, you know, I traveled a lot with Jeff and hung out with Jeff a lot. And, uh, you know, like he was in TNA, obviously it was his company. And, um, you know, him being a good friend of mine, like, you know, whenever I went there, I changed my character, you know, like, and I was like, hey, man, I got this idea for a character that I really feel like is me. Um, you know, cause at WWE, like I really didn't get to venture into the character, like full fledged. It was just kind of half-assed. Um, and then whenever I got to TNA that first time, like I really got to fine tune it and grow my hair out the way I wanted it. Have the Mohawk that I wanted, had the gear that I wanted. And I was really feeling the character. And, um, you know, whenever I showed Jeff kind of what the character was, like he liked it. Um, you know, Dutch Mantel, he was on there. Dutch liked it and um you know like at the time like Dutch you know Dutch was like you know we need we need to shoot some vignettes um we did some pretty cool vignettes with it and then um from there like ending up you know I guess wrestling with, against AJ like like you said AJ was a golden boy at that point you know and uh to be able to be put in the mix right there with AJ like that was it was big and you know like uh, I ended up leaving TNA shortly after yeah it didn't last yeah and you know like I think that was probably the biggest mistake I've probably made in my career um and I was going through a divorce at the time and I had to look more from a business standpoint of where financially I was going to be for the next couple of years 
um, because I was going to have to come out of pocket a ton of money, I felt like. And in order for me to financially get through this divorce, like I needed, you know, like a, I needed to know what my, what my funds were going to look like, you know? And at the time, like there was no, you know, like, this was at a something that I didn't handle with Jared just because we were friends. Like, you know, this is, you know, talking to Dixie Carter and everybody else that handled that matter, Terry Taylor, you know, at the point, like I had to make the decision, you know, whether to go to WWE or TNA because WWE seen what I was doing on TV and um, they were like, yeah, we're going to bring you back. And, you know, like, unfortunately, like they offered me some decent money to come back. And, um, you know, at that point, like I had to make a decision once, you know, Vince is like, hey, okay, we'll bring you back. You can't really tell Vince, yeah, and then turn around and tell him no, and then, you know, want to do good business later. So I just kind of got caught in like, you know, like a little financial situation there to where I had to make a decision quick. And I went back to WWE, which financially was the right decision probably. But from a career standpoint, it probably wasn't the best decision because I feel like I would have got a chance to work with AJ and probably do some really good stuff at that point. Um, you know, like whenever it, it comes to a creative, to the creative side of things uh, in TNA, like it would have been way better for me to stay. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of why I wanted to bring that up because, and you've answered it for me now uh, because I felt like I was watching both products at the time and I was really into what was going on with with you in, in TNA and they kind of got you with AJ and you'd even gone over in some of the matches with him and it felt like that they were really going to give you something and then all of a sudden it was like four months later, similar kind of character in the uh, EC, WWE CW um, but the the uh, they didn't do a whole lot with it after the the, the punk thing that happened uh, on uh, on sci-fi. Um, so yeah, well, you now you've answered it for me, uh, and it makes sense. Um, so uh, you, you kind of alluded to it before, but uh, were you disappointed with how this went when you came back and you were known as the reject? Yeah, it was um, you know because. You know, whenever I, I was presented with like, hey, we'll bring you back. We'll let you do the character here. Um, I was a little disappointed. Like, I I didn't know who CM Punk was, really. Um, you know, I'd heard of him, but I, I didn't really follow Punk at that point, like through Punk's indie career. Um, and, you know, like they were bringing me back basically to have Punk just pretty much kill me off that character. Because I was the, you know, I was doing the Prince of Punk thing in TNA. And I'm pretty sure, like, you know, I kind of know how Paul Heyman thinks too. Like, for him, for them to build Punk at that point and get Punk going, like, there only needed to be one Punk on TV. Um, So, like, why not, why not bring back me, who was doing the Punk thing in TNA, um, and just, you know, start that off with me and just completely kill it. Um, So, yeah, I was really disappointed, you know, like, how that got handled. Um, obviously he made the right decision on who to run with, with the punk character. Um, because CM Punk's like the biggest star on the planet right now. And, you know, like he, at the time, like he just had a connection to the people that, you know, obviously I, I just didn't have at that point. Um, so like, I'm, I'm not saying they made the wrong decision, but 
by you know like wanting me to kill that character there but uh you know like i got to have some really good matches with punk uh, on ecw and um you know like i really enjoy working with punk i think you know like they they definitely made the right decision on who was going to be you know financially uh better to run with because you know he ended up being what he was in wwe and this obviously we see where he's at now so I can't say that they made the, you know, they made a bad decision or a wrong decision. It's just not the, you know, the decision for my character. Like, I just, I feel like I, I probably should have stayed at TNA at that time um, instead of going back. But like I said, man, like, you know, uh, unfortunately, like finances play a part in careers too. And uh, I had to do what was best. And, you know, my career at that point, like for that character just kind of got sacrificed a little bit over finances yeah and fair enough man like honestly just from the way that you're describing it there's literally like nothing you can do about it when you're going through all those different things at that time so i hope you yeah. i hope you don't look back too uh too upset about the whole thing um you know these things happen uh but yeah, yeah I'm, it, I'm not i'm not it's that's one thing like you know like i, I feel like you know guys don't understand you know there's a business side of this thing too and we agree to do things, um, you know, when we sign contracts or when we leave companies or when we say yes to things like we're agreeing to do things. So it's like, I, you know, like I, when you sign a contract for one of these companies and then they do something with your character that you don't like, it's easy. You can quit. You can walk away. You can say, no, I'm not doing it. I would rather just walk away right now. But, you know, like, like I said, man, like for me, like finances, like I've always treated this like a business and I had to make a, a business decision over a character decision at that point, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the next thing I wanted to bring up is, again, we were going back to TNA here uh, because this is, you're the first person I've had the chance to ask about this. Uh, it was the first live TNA Monday Night Impact. Uh, you return with Jeff uh, on that evening. Uh, and it begins kind of one of your fruitful runs that you've had in wrestling, uh, forming your team with uh, Jesse Neal uh, in Ink Inc. Uh, so, and I feel like you guys put in some real hard yards in this team. Uh, and unfortunately, you never actually end up becoming tag team champions. But like... Again, a lot of hard yards put in. You guys really worked well together. Um, first of all, tell me about that first night back and and what the the vibe in the locker room was like on the first head to head uh, Monday night with Impact. And and tell me about how you felt about uh, teaming with Jesse. Yeah, you know uh, that was cool. Um, you know how that was. Like I left WWE and uh, I went on to the Hulkamania tour. Uh, Hogan. Bischoff, like they ran this big Hulkamania tour in Australia. Um, and I think Rikishi, he had, you know, something to do with the promotional part of it. And uh, Umaga was on it. Umaga was one of my best friends. And, you know, Umaga hit me up and he's like, hey, dude, like, let's do this tour together. Um, you know, it's a couple of weeks. We'll do the Hulkamania tour. And we were in Australia, man. And just, you know, like Hogan, like there was a lot of downtime. So, you know, like um, I think the first conversation was in the gym. Hogan was in the gym. We were working out. And, um, you know, he was talking about coming back and he was going to, you know, do some big stuff with TNA at the time. And, um, you know, he asked me then, he's like, you know, are you, you know, do you want to come? Do you want to be part of it? 
And uh, he's like, do you think that Jeff would want to be part of it? And um, I was like, you know, I'll talk to Jeff. I'll see what's up. Um, just because Jeff was going through some personal issues at the time. And he didn't really want to be involved in no kind of wrestling at the moment. But, you know, I went back and me and Jeff, we had some conversations about it. And um, I ended up hitting, you know, Jeff Jarrett and Hogan up about, you know, like Jeff being interested, you know, if it's the right you know, schedule and the right thing. And um, that's just kind of how it all played out. And then um, from that point, like, you know, Jeff agreed to come back and, you know, we ended up showing up showing back up that that night and then when I came back like you know I knew I was coming back to the same character and uh I uh just uh, you know they weren't really doing much with him and at that point like he had a mohawk and um I just remember I think Vince Russo come up to me and uh like was having conversations on whether Jesse should cut his mohawk off or not and um I was like well you know, why cut it off? Let me do something with him. You know, like, um, I, I can't remember if it was Russo or not, but somebody was having that conversation with me on, like, if Jesse should change his look or not since I was back. And, um, you know, it just kind of come from there. And I'm like, dude, you know, like, put us together. Like, you know, let's do a tag team thing. Like, let us, let's see how it works. Then, like, you know, the naming king, like, we just kind of all brainstormed and that, come into effect and then you know it's I, I feel like it was one of them tag teams like the people really connected with man like we you know it really took off like our merchandise like on house shows and stuff was selling pretty good um you know beer money was there like we had some really good teams to work with and the tag team division was pretty hot at that moment um you know so like we were killing it man like we we're doing house shows like tna was really rolling at that point and then Later it happened, you know, like I, like I said, I don't want to speak on Jesse's personal business or anything like that, but I think there was something from a contract standpoint that didn't sit well with Jesse, and that's whenever Jesse, you know, he decided to to leave. Right. Um, well, that's cool. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a great team, and uh, you know, Ink Ink was such a such a great name to come up with for it as well. Uh, um, but yeah, you know, I, I think like it, I, man, inking could have been huge. I think that could have been a really big thing. Um, I just feel like you know at that point with TNA too, like he had some power struggles, and then you know there were certain people in creative control that were trying for this and that, and it's just like they wasn't really doing nothing for us whenever it comes, you know, from a creative standpoint on how to invest in us as a team. Um, so, you know, they, they kind of dropped the ball of that, I feel like. Uh, yeah, no, I, I get you. I kind of feel like that too. I feel like that, it, it, you know, really could have, uh, you guys could have been together even longer and, you know, could have been up there, you know, you know, getting some title reigns and things of that, of that nature. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask about this cause, uh, I, I'm not sure if you, if you actually, I don't know if you, I don't think you actually did perform on any of these shows, but I might be wrong. Sometimes the internet can lie. But uh, in 2013, uh, Matt and Jeff uh, bring back Omega. Um, did you uh, get to be a part of any of those shows? Or, and if, if you saw any of it, you know, what did you think after all these years to to see that company back? Yeah. No, I, it, well, it wasn't Matt and Jeff that brought the shows back. Um, oh, 
So, yeah, so Omega at that point, uh, Shane Helms, he ran, like, I don't know, a couple of Omega shows. I don't know exactly how many. It was like two or three or something. Um, I guess um, I did. I think he did some benefit stuff for his, like, high school or his old school that he wrestled for, like, um, the day. Um, Like I said, I don't know much about it, but it just, it wasn't, you know, it was Omega, but it was, you know, like a, a lot of other people that wasn't in the original Omega. Um, okay. And I, I know Matt, he was there and I think he, you know, he wrestled on it or he'd come in and he did, he was part of it um, from a show standpoint, but it was, you know, like it, there were really good shows. Like Shane did a great job, you know, promoting it and they did well. Um, but, you know, like I, I feel like, like it's just my opinion, um, you know, like, I was hoping one day Omega would come back with all the originals at some point, um, especially now where at their careers, like hopefully one day um, Omega will come back and we can run, you know, like a series of shows just and have a lot of our originals on it um, as well as like some new talent that's out there now. Yeah, that would be cool. That was something else I was going to ask. Uh, you know, that that'll be a really cool, you know, uh story coming full circle type thing uh to to get this stage of everyone's career you know i know matt's talked about how you know he's probably not got much time left in the business and really wants to do some good stuff so i'm really proud of him right now because you know he's in aew right now and he's doing good stuff uh and i just hopeful you know it'd be really cool if you could all kind of uh, reconvene at one stage there to kind of you know, put a bow on Omega uh, before it's all said and done. Um, so uh, at this stage, Shannon, I want you to let everyone know what's going on in your wrestling career right now and, uh, you know, where they can find you in social media and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so social media, from a social media standpoint, like you can find me on Twitter, Shannon Brand. Um, you know, like I'm on at the Shannon Brand you go to uh, Instagram, um, you know, all my links are, everything's linked together. So uh, if you, if you go on Twitter at the Shannon brand and on Facebook, Shannon Moore, um, you'll find me. Um, but as far as my wrestling career, man, like, dude, I'm in the best shape of my life right now. Um, I'm like, you know, from a gym standpoint, um, I'm getting ready to crank up shows like uh, this summer. I took off like three months over the summer, just, I wanted to enjoy my summer, um, had some things that I wanted to do, uh, just from a vacation standpoint and just didn't want to be too busy. Um, but yeah, man, like I cranked back up starting what next weekend, the second and like between now and February, March, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm booked up pretty good. Um, you know, like I, I, I got to make it back to Australia though. That's yeah. Where, uh, like that's, that's where I want to, that's where I want to go. I want to go back to Australia. Um, haven't been in a while. So, um, you know, like I, I love COVID COVID's put a lot of restrictions on stuff right now. Um, and it sucks because like, you know, a lot of my international stuff, like, you know, can't happen right now. because of the whole COVID thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully going forward, like, you know, Japan will be, we'll be able to open back up and go to Japan and, uh, Australia or, you know, wherever it is we want to go. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm booked up, you know, now, like I'm, I'm going to be booked up all winter and 
spring, um, you know, if I'll take off a couple of months through the summer next year or not. Um, but man, you know, life's good, man. Like I can't complain. I'm healthy. Like I get to do what I love. Um, and then, you know, whenever I can, like, you know, I'm also working with people from an addiction standpoint too. So that's something I want to touch on too, man. Like, you know, if there's anybody that listens to this, that's struggling or knows somebody struggling with addiction, um, you know, like find me on social media, reach out to me. Um, let's help try to save somebody's life. Um, like I said, like I've had my issues with it. Um, it's a real thing. Addiction's such a real thing. And it's, it's definitely a pandemic. It's just as real as anything else. Um, and people are dying every day from it. So if you or somebody, you know, that's struggling, like reach out to me, man, let's try to get them some help. And, uh, you know, try to try to get them on the other side of that thing. Awesome, bro. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, we'll, we'll ensure that all the links to 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 get in touch with Shannon are there on YouTube uh, down below when this goes up uh, in a few weeks time. Um, but really awesome to hear all that too, bro, that you're getting back out there. And, you know, if you come to Australia, you, you, you're welcome to to come hang out with me if you like. So <laughs> I'll, I'll cook up a nice Aussie hey, feast for you. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, so Shannon, this brings us very close to the end of the interview, but we've got one final segment. It's called five second frenzy, five seconds to answer each question. Even if you break the five second rule, it's okay. You won't get in any trouble. Uh, but quick fire questions, quick fire answers. The first one, Shannon Moore, who is your favorite wrestler? Um, Shawn Michaels. Fantastic choice. I'm not sure if Shane will like that answer, but <laughs> uh, favorite opponent? Ray Mysterio. Excellent. Uh, favorite match you've ever had? Um, favorite man, that's a hard one. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, the Cruiserweight Open at WrestleMania at Madison Square Garden. Oh, of course. It was, yeah, in Madison Square Garden and it's WrestleMania, so don't get no better than that. Yeah, and I think he got eliminated by the Ultimo Dragon as well. So that's uh, yeah. that's an honor yeah. right there. Uh, getting away from wrestling now, Shannon. What's your favorite book? My favorite book, The Secret. Excellent. We've had that a few times on the show. Uh, favorite TV show? Dexter. Nice. Uh, favorite film? Um, Pulp Fiction. Oh, bro, I'm digging. I'm digging your taste here, and I'm looking forward to this answer right here. Favorite musical artist? Pearl Jam. Oh, dude, don't get me started. Do not get me started on Pearl Jam. Yeah. I was in the fan <laughs> club. I I know every lyric on ten and verses. Ah, oh, don't get me started. Okay, yeah, <laughs> moving away from that. <laughs> Favorite food? Sushi. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, Favorite place to eat on the road? Um, sushi. That's any Excellent. sushi restaurant. Yeah, any sushi place. Excellent. Um, what Shannon Moore's thirsty? What What's a beverage? What's your favorite beverage to drink? Dude, honestly, this is so boring. But my favorite beverage is water. <laughs> no, like, it's it a great get no, Yeah, gets no more boring than that, right? But there's just right. something about water that I just it's, love. Yeah. It's underrated. It is underrated. Yeah. I, I, I feel like when I was a kid, I was like, oh, water's boring. I want cordial. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Now at this age, I'm like, oh my God, I need some water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the second last one of five second frenzy. 
Shannon Moore, you, you see a, a good-looking female. You know, what is your favorite female body part? What is what is something that attracts you to a woman first? Um probably her booty. Excellent. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. I feel you there, bro. I feel you there. Yeah. Uh, and the last one here on Five Second Frenzy. I don't know if you've uh, sworn once on this show, but the last one is always, what is your favorite curse word? Um, probably fuck. Yeah, I say it a lot. Way too much. It's just easy. You can yeah. fill in any sentence with, with it. Like, it just doesn't matter. It fits anywhere. Yeah, any situation you you, you kick yeah. your toe on the, the the leg of a table, you go fuck. Yeah, like, you see fuck. you see nice you see nice booty, you go fuck. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's all in the presentation, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's it, bro. Well, uh, Shannon Moore, bro, this was so fun to talk to you and 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 ask you about uh, some of these uh, great moments that you've had in your life. And you're so open and honest about things. And uh, that that's what means a lot to me on the show is, uh, you know, to hear these things and you not care and, and, and just be like, this is it. This is this is what I've been through. And and hopefully through that, that helps other people. So uh, I just want you to know that, you know, I live in the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia. I have seen you perform in this city before. Uh, so it's a long way away, but even without you performing here in Perth, you have a fan in me. You have a fan in a whole bunch of my friends that looked up to you and and your boys from Omega over the years. And I just hope that you're so proud of everything you accomplished with your friends. And I just hope you realize that for you to reach all the way to this most isolated city in the world really means something. You, you've accomplished something, my friend. Oh, that's cool, man. I appreciate it. It's uh you know, talking about like our, you know, top bringing up struggles and like hard times in our life and stuff. Like, I think that's one thing that I really enjoy about, you know, like I don't even like to call people who have followed me fans. Um, like, I just feel like that's just a, it's like a cuss word to me that just doesn't, it doesn't express like how much I appreciate people that supported my career um over the years because i you know I, like i have so much respect for these people because you know i've been through things and like we uh, you know other um wrestlers or artists like they go through things as well and i feel like i've always been really real with my my people that have supported me and i think you know like through thick and thin man like all my struggles you know in life personal not personal professionally it's like, man, they're always there. Um, so, it, you know, it means the world to me, like to be able to be on your show. And if that reaches somebody that, you know, has supported me over the years, like, and it makes me happy. Like you said, if you're tucked away over there and like, they don't get to see me much or see much material of me, like, man, just to be able to reach the people that supported me, like it means so much to me. So I'm glad you had me on the show. Well, thank you, bro. I'm glad that I had you on the show. So again, appreciate it so much, bro. All right, have a good day. You too. And thank you, everyone out there, for watching the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm California Inferior, alongside my good friend here, Shannon Moore, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.